John, open to the book of John. It's the fourth gospel. It's the 43rd book of the Bible. So if you get lost, just start from Genesis and count to get to the 43rd book. You'll find it. Can I just start from the New Testament? No, I insist. You must start from Genesis. You could just start from Deuteronomy and... Okay. John, book of John, chapter 1. Uno. You there? Are you there yet? John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You there? John 1. John chapter 1. Verse 1. Verse. Verse 1. John 1 1. How many of you just love Reed Anderson? Come on, get up for Reed Anderson. I love Reed and Mariah Anderson. We're so blessed to have them as leaders and pastors in our church. You know, what? All right. Someone needs to, whoever, yeah. You got your, you got your word? John 1 1. Here we go. In the beginning, say beginning. In the beginning was the Word. Say Word. Word. Come on, say it with like a U. Word. Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He, who's He? The Word, right? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or the darkness did not overcome it. Flip over now to verse 9. So we're skipping ahead a few verses. Verse 9. That was the true light. Say true light. We're in a series. We're in a series tonight, and we've been in a series for the past couple weeks talking about the real Jesus. Say the real Jesus. Come on, say real Real, not the fake one. I want the real. I want the true Jesus. In this passage in John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, that was the true light, the real light. They've talked about other lights, but I'm going to talk to you about the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own. He came to his own things. That, 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 word own mean, that word own means your own things or your own domain. In other words, he came to his own place. And his own people did not receive him. Who's he? Who are we talking about? But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness... We have all received grace for grace. In other words, and from the fullness of Jesus, from the essence of who he is, we've just kept receiving grace. Why did you receive grace? Because they received Jesus. If you receive Jesus, then you receive grace. And of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Who? Come on now, who? Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one, say no one, one. has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, 
who is in the bosom of the Father or is in the intimate place with the Father, he has declared him or he has made him known. In other words, the passage is saying this. No one has seen God at any time, so God gave his son so that his son would make Jesus known. So Jesus comes to make who the Father is known to us. We're talking about the real Jesus. Flip over to John chapter 20. Flip over to John chapter 20. Verse uh, 24. John 20, 24. Come on, John 20, 24. We're saying the same book. You're just flipping about 19 chapters until you come to chapter 20, which is the second to last chapter of the book of John. And it says this, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, so this is one of the twelve disciples, uh, was not with them when Jesus came. Now you got to hear the, the context here real quick. Jesus had died, he had been buried, and he had risen again. You with me? He had died, he had been buried, and he had been risen again. And at this point, he had not only been risen again, but he had already showed himself to his disciples, to those people that believed in him. But Thomas happened not to be there. He just, he just wasn't there when Jesus showed up. And so we pick up here in verse 24. Uh, it says, that Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. He said to them, unless I see in his hands the prints of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, say, say Thomas. He looks at Thomas. Jesus is risen. you got to understand something. Thomas not only was with Jesus for three years, but Thomas saw Jesus crucified. Now, he may not have been actually there, but he saw him dead. He knew he, was die- he, knew he died. He knew he was put in the tomb. He knew he had been there for three days now. And now Thomas is sitting there standing before Jesus. And Jesus says to Thomas, calls him out and says, reach your ha- finger here. Touch my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, you can underline this, verse 28, My Lord and my God. Thomas said, My Lord and my God. How many know that a lot of people follow Jesus, but few people called him Lord? A lot of people follow Jesus, but few people called him Lord and called him God. Tonight, uh, I'm going to teach from the subject, Jesus the God-man. Jesus, the God-man. So we're going to talk about who Jesus really is. You ready? You ready to pray with me? You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and he's come to reveal to us who Jesus is. So he's actually here. Who's here? Okay, Jesus is by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who's also known as the Spirit of Christ. So where the Spirit of Christ is, there Jesus Christ is. And where Jesus Christ is, there the Father is. So right now, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is actually here right now. And he's here to not just be here, but he's here to reveal to you who Jesus is. Isn't that good news? Because we don't have the privilege of being with the disciples when they actually saw him and touched him. But what we do have, Jesus says it's even better that I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. So to Jesus, in his perspective, it's actually better that we have the Holy Spirit than we actually see Jesus in person. Isn't that crazy? To Jesus, it's actually better because Jesus can't talk to everybody when he's in a body by himself. And so he sends his spirit so that he can talk to every single person he wants to at the same time. And the Holy Spirit right now wants to do that with us. He wants to reveal to us Jesus. And so would you pray with me and ask? Come on, pray with me, every single one of you. If your neighbor is distracting you, tell him, stop distracting me. I'm trying to get with Jesus. If your thoughts are distracting you, tell your thoughts to shut up and say, Holy Spirit, I want to, I want to see Jesus. So Holy Spirit, right now, we, just, we bow our heads and we honor you. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us the God-man. That you'd reveal to us the Son of God, the Son of Man. That you'd reveal to us the awesome one. That you'd reveal to us the one whom this is all to. All of our praise and all of our worship. 
all of our adoration, all of our dedication, that you would reveal to us Jesus. We really want to see Jesus tonight. Carry us, Lord. Carry us into your dwelling place. Carry us into your heart. We just really want to see who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been three years now. Uh, I think in about a few days, next Tuesday, it's my wife and I's third year anniversary. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be married on August 16th for three years. I'm a lucky man. Those are some cool shoes, bro. They don't even got laces on them. It's got a picture of laces. That's cool. That's kind of weird, too. But I've been married for three years now, almost here, and I'm so thankful. She's my favorite person in the whole world. She's actually my favorite preacher, too. Man, if you've heard her preach, I'm serious. I was thinking about this today. I was like, there ain't nobody that can move me like my wife moves me when she just gets that mic or she just yelling from the bedroom and telling me to get my stuff straight. Get your mind right. You know, she, there ain't nobody can move me like her, and so... I just, I want to thank her for the amazing woman that she is, an example that she is. Women, if you want somebody to follow and look up to and mentor you, there's a woman of God. And I tell you, even men, you want, to, you want somebody to follow and look up to, you can follow my wife. But anyway, so my wife is an amazing person. And we have, the, uh, we have an awesome opportunity of having a son, Zayden, who I talk about often. And actually, I just had a few of my best friends over the other night. And he took some of his first steps by himself. Uh, he actually took like five steps the other night. And uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. We're crying and stuff. and uh, well, They were crying more than me, but it was a good time. And, uh, but as, as much of an opportunity it is, it's also hard in our marriage to balance out how much time we spend with each other. And so it's a discipline that we have to keep to make sure that we continue to spend time together. But we do do the best that we can. And when the times that we do go out uh, to eat, like, for instance, we're going to uh, take a night and go away here pretty soon for our anniversary. And when we do that, it's gonna be very, we're going to try to be very intentional about spending time and, and getting to know each other. But one of the things we've noticed when we go out to eat at, like, nice restaurants is you'll normally, for the most part, if it's a late night, you'll see couples kind of together. You know what I'm saying? Where you'll see a guy and you'll see a girl. And, uh, and Ashley and I, we, we do the best we can to be intentional about loving and knowing one another and getting to know one another at that intimate level because uh, we're very complex creatures, as you all may know, not just her and I, but we as human beings, we're just complex, you know. It's just really take a long time to get to know who I really am. I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, I mean, let's just be honest. No, we're, we as human beings are complex, and, uh, and so it's, it's, it's a life journey to get to know your spouse, and so... But as we're sitting there, it's hard to notice, you know, when you're just you're drinking your water, you look around, and then there's couples that are sitting there, you know, texting. And, and Ash and I will sometimes will be like, okay, so are they married, or do you think? And we'll just play that game, you know, like, what's the story? And uh, don't play that game. It's a bad game. It's a bad game. It's a bad game. And we don't necessarily say, like, what's their story, but we'll sit there, and we'll, like, look over and be like, yeah, they've been married for a long time. And then the ones that, like, you can tell when it's a first date. Because they, they're just like leaning across the table and they're just, you know, and, 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 you know, the girl's just like playing hard to get. And the guy's just, depending on what kind of guy he is, if he's got an ego, he's just acting like he's all that. If he's just head over heels, he's just like, I'll pay for everything. Like, I'll pay for this dinner. I'll pay for your car payments. I'll pay for, she's like, this is your, our first date, you know. Uh, if they've been dating for a few months, they, they, they don't, they're not as engaged, but they're still like, they, they hold hands a lot and all those kind of things, and, they're, and none of these things are necessarily wrong. It's just fun, you know. And, uh, but it just never ceases to amaze me when I go to dinner with Ashley, and we see people who are older, and you can tell that they've been married for a long time. They both have uh, wedding rings, or at least she does, and, and he doesn't. And I'm kind of confused as to why he doesn't have a wedding band on, and sometimes I want to go to hit the, hit the guy. That, well, where's your wedding band at, dude? You know, pervert. But I don't do that. I'd be wrong because I just think it's important for the man to wear their wedding band all the time. And show I'm taken. So anyway, um, Ash and I have realized that like, it's amazing how these people who can, you can tell they've been together for a long time because of their age or because of the way they don't interact. 
you know, because they just think they've gotten to know each other. And Ash and I have realized over just time of knowing each other, I think we've known each other for seven years, we dated for four and been married for three. And uh, it's, it's, it's one thing, it's one thing um, to go on a date with my wife. It, it's another thing to be with my wife on a date. I'll say that again. It's one thing to go on a date with Ashley. It's a whole other thing to be with Ashley on a date. See, because the truth is, I can be on a date with my wife and still not be with my wife. I, I, can, I, can, I can go out and eat with her, and spend time with her, and watch a movie with her, all in the name of being with my wife. But how many know that I could be on a date the whole time but never actually be with my wife. It's one thing to live this life and pray to Jesus. It's another thing to be with Jesus and live this life. It's, it's one thing to, to go to school and hope Jesus gives you the courage. It's another thing to be with Jesus as you go to school. It's, it's one thing to go to a worship service and sing to Jesus as if he's from some distant community or culture. It's a whole other thing to walk into the worship service with Jesus and you've been singing to him all day long because you just love him. It's one thing to be on a date with my wife, it's a whole other thing to be with my wife on a date. Do you know what I'm saying? Two different things. John chapter 1 uh, is, a, is a fascinating uh, this passage, and it's very intentional about what it's communicating. When I say it, I really mean God is very intentional about what he's trying to articulate and communicate. And there's two things, there's two things that God is wanting to communicate to us in John chapter 1. You want to know what they are? Two things. Two things. One, Jesus is God, and two, Jesus is man. There's two things in the book of John chapter 1 that the, that the gospel writer, the writer John, the apostle, who about at this time, in about 100 AD, was approximately probably 100 years old or so, old man, Okay, that he was very intentional about writing. And in their culture and in their day, he was addressing some specific issues that we don't really necessarily have to get into because I want to address the issues of our day and our culture. But you have to understand that there's two primary, primarily two things that are trying to be communicated as you, read this, as you read this scripture, as you read this passage. And the two things are that Jesus is both God and he is man. The first one is when we come to uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, when it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This word, word, uh, is not, it's the word logos. We get it from the Greek word, it's the word logos. And from that word, we can translate the word word, as you've seen in John chapter 1. But more literally, it would be translated, if we were uh, in a Greek culture, it would more literally be translated as reason or as uh, intelligence. So what the, what the writer is saying is that in the beginning was the intelligence, or in the beginning was the reason for all life. Or in other words, in the beginning was the purpose, the intelligent design. So now, to an, now to a Jew, or sorry, to a Gentile, a person who didn't know God and was not raised in the culture of who God was, to them, they understood logos and their Greek word and their Greek culture, they understood logos as the thing, say thing, come on, say thing, they understood logos as the thing that made everything. And to the Jew, they understood the word logos from their Septuagint translation, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, they understood the word logos to mean God relating to man and anthropomorphic relations. That simply means that God has human relations with people. He, re- he reacts and inter- interacts with people as a human being. 
And in the Old Testament, whenever it said that God talked to somebody, instead of saying, when they translate it from Hebrew to Greek, instead of saying God talked to somebody, it says the Word of God spoke to somebody. You with me? You following me? So as we read John chapter 1, and we have to read it from a context of 2,000 years ago in the early church, when the church was first starting, people were saying two things. Jesus wasn't God, or either Jesus wasn't a man. Either A, he was just God, or B, he was just a man. He couldn't be both. And John writes to say, no, you're, 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 you're greatly mistaken. Jesus is both God and he is man. In the first part, he tells us this logos, this reason, this intelligent design is with God and was God. You following me? Jesus was God, and they had a relationship with each other. The Father had a relationship with the Son. When it says that they were with God, when it says he was with God, it's saying that he had intimate relationship with God. They were with each other. They knew each other. Jesus was with God, the Father, and the Son, or the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was God. He was part of the Godhead. And then we keep on reading. We flip on over to verse 11, and it says he came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. Say flesh. John is saying right now, God is saying in this passage, very simply, this intelligent design this purpose of all creation, the life of man, put on meat and lived among us. Gabriel, I've heard this before. I understand Jesus, Jesus, is, the, Jesus is the God man. I, I've heard that before. I, I realize that he's God and that he's man. I, I understand that. But you've got you to gotta hear this. As many as received him. Would you want to align that? If you haven't already aligned that. And if you don't have you don't have a Bible and you can't underline it, would you just think of those two words, receive him, receive him. Would you say receive with me? Receive. That word receive simply means to consider yourself with somebody else and accompanied with somebody. It's this, it's this simple. To receive is to say, I'm with you and you're with me. And it says him. As many as received him. Would you say him? Him. Who's him? Who, who's him? Do you guys know who him is? Jesus, right? Who's him? As many as received him. You have to, we have to see something that's, that's much deeper than the fine print on this page. We have to see that God was with God, and God really, really wanted to be with man. So God, the Son of God, became a man and came to us to be with you and to be with me. See, the problem is, Christianity has unintentionally minimized that one passage right there. That we're called to receive Jesus. We're not called to receive a thing. Jesus is a person. Jesus is a person. Jesus is God and he is man. God so desperately wanted to relate with you and wanted to relate with me that he put on the same outfit called flesh that you and I have so that he could relate with you and so that he could relate with me. God so desperately wanted to be in relationship with you that he became a man that we would relate with him. But the problem is, is that we have minimized Christianity to receiving a thing. Lord, I pray for your presence, Lord. 
God, I pray for joy. I'm not saying necessarily joy is necessarily wrong. I'm not saying that. Lord, I, I really want to feel you, Lord. I'm not necessarily saying that feeling the Lord's wrong either. Lord, I just pray that, you know, I just, I just really need power, God. I just pray you'd give me power. Lord, I need to receive some of that stuff called grace. I need some of that stuff, Lord. We have minimized Christianity. We have minimized God to a thing and no longer a person. Are you following me? We have, we have robbed the gospel of its entire message that we are to receive Jesus. We're not to receive a substance or a thing. Jesus is more than a substance. Jesus is more than matter. Jesus is more than a power. Jesus is more than love. Jesus is more than just joy and peace. Jesus in and of himself embodies all those things. And us as Christians have gotten caught up with things and forsaken the reality of pursuing the God-man Jesus. And our worship services have turned from pursuing a man named Jesus to pursuing a feeling that makes us feel better in our emotions and now God has been forsaken so that we can worship our affection. And no longer is God your Lord or Jesus your Lord, but your affections are your Lord. Or your emotions. Gerath, that emotions are good. They are good. Matter of fact, God gave them to you so that you would feel him, but are you pursuing a feeling or are you pursuing Jesus? Hear me now. God really wants to be with you. But my problem with this, as we talk about the presence of God or knowing God, is that we have minimized, and you might think it's a little thing, but I'm challenging that thought and saying it's a great deal that you would take Jesus, the God-man, and minimize him to a presence or to a feeling or to a voice, or to a thing. And what I'm saying is not only does that disrespect who Jesus is, but that keeps you from knowing who he really is. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Let's just be honest. When we, when we feel, follow me now, when we feel the presence then we go, God's in this room. As if he wasn't before. And now, our faith in the person Jesus relies on whether I feel him or not. And now, see, listen, this is our problem as Americans, is that what feels good must be God, and what feels bad must be the devil. You can't tell me that that's truth. Because a lot of pain is in this life and God's involved in that pain. It wasn't the devil that put Jesus on the cross. It was God that put Jesus on the cross. For you and for me. Jesus is a person. We're not called to receive a thing. We're called to know Jesus. We're called to be with Jesus. We're called to know him. We were made for this purpose. We were made for the purpose of knowing Jesus. The Bible says that in him was life. And that life was the light of men. You want life? Get with Jesus. Do you want joy? Get with that person named Jesus. John was trying to get us to realize something that's so important. It's so important. People, John's saying, people, listen to me. You have to hear this. 
Jesus isn't just a figment of your imagination. He's not just a mystical idea. He's not just a presence that comes into a room. Jesus is a man, and he is, is, is dwelling among us. And he's here to be with you. Hear the heart of my message tonight. As I continue to expound on this idea, the heart of my message is that you would pursue Jesus and not just a thing. I've always been pursuing Jesus. Have you? Have you been pursuing Jesus? Or have you been pursuing your emotions to feel better? I don't think that's Jesus. That's you feeling better. Those are two different things. Now listen, when you pursue Jesus, you probably will feel better. And God does express himself, and you will feel him. And you will hear his voice. You follow me? You will hear his voice, and you will feel his touch. But what I'm saying is God is jealous for you to want him and not the things he can give you. God is jealous for you to yearn for him and not just how he can make you feel. God is jealous for you to crave just to spend time with him, whether you feel him or not. He's jealous for you just to say, Lord, I don't have plans right now. I'm not going to go watch TV, and I'm not going to sit there and play on my computer and just tweet and text and Facebook. But, Lord, I don't really have things to do, so I just, I just really want to be with you. Would you just be with me? I don't really have a prayer to, to pray. I don't really have a prayer to pray. I don't really have a thing to say. I don't really have something to prophesy. I don't really have a scripture, Lord, to really go by. I'm just here and I just want to be with you. I don't, I don't have some vision. I'm not coming to you that you would, I'm not beseeching you that you would give me something. I don't, I'm not asking you that you would change this world. I just want to be with you right now. You could go to, to worship service after worship service and never spend time with Jesus. You could sit after message upon message upon message and never let Jesus hit your heart and speak to you and encourage you and come face to face with the person, the man, Jesus. But see, the problem is, is that when we feel something, we walk away going, man, I touched Jesus. But the problem with that is that you have just simply right there minimized and disrespected Jesus to a thing and no longer a person. He is more of a person, if this is possible, than you or I. Do you want to know who even originally, originally came up with the idea of you feeling something and talking to somebody and seeing something and hugging and holding something? It wasn't you. It was Jesus. He made you and formed you in such a way that you would relate with him and talk with him. I, I just think it's really important that we, that we don't minimize God to just the power or a presence. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to just minimize him to a power. Why? Because he's a person. You know, if my wife, just every time I walk into the house, she just, you know, referred to me as the matter that looks like a man is here. Six foot three of substance. And he breathes. What was that? Did you beckon me? Oh, I feel him. He's here. Hey, husband, um, dishes need done. You know, I'm like standing over there. Can you hear me? Because I can feel your presence. Okay. I'm just going to trust that you heard me. Wouldn't that be weird? But you know that Jesus is more of a person than I am? Even, I don't know if that's even true, but the, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to overemphasize this point that you'd realize that Jesus is a person. When you, when you grab your Bible, don't look for a thing or for a feeling or for a power or for a presence. Look for the man, Jesus. Because when you find the man, Jesus, you found what you're made for. When you're with, when you're with, when you're with the man, Jesus, you, you're done. Like, Jesus... Jesus exists, exists in and of himself. He's just there. 
he, he, he doesn't need a generator just in case. He, he doesn't need you to plug him into a 12-volt battery to keep him going. You don't want to fan a flame to get him to light up. He just is. But you, on the other hand, and I, on the other hand, he's our generator that keeps us going. But he's not just a generator. He's the person that when we connect with, you know, it's sad to Jesus that you've considered him and that I've considered him and the church has minimized him to a feeling. John chapter 20. He connects, sees Jesus, John, or sorry, Thomas, sees this guy named Jesus and the guy that he'd spent time with and ate with and talked with and touched and hugged and prayed with. And then Jesus says, here I am. I got holes in my hands from the cross and I got a, a hole in my side from them stabbing me in the side with that spear. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. There's two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. I say this a lot, but I'm, I always like summarizing. It's very simple, black and white, drawn a line. Two people. There's people that engage with Jesus, and there's people that don't engage with Jesus. I'm not asking if you, if you spend time reading your Bible. I'm not asking if you sing songs driving down the road. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if you pray prayers. I'm not asking if you pray in tongues. I'm not asking if you fast. I don't care about any of those things. There are two kinds of people. Those who engage with Jesus and call him Lord and God and know him as a person and those who don't. You may be, you may be communicating to some type of thing. You may be relating to something. I'm not saying that Jesus isn't there. He is there. But are you connecting and engaging with the person Jesus? Are you receiving the person Jesus? Jesus, or are you just receiving and embracing and engaging something that makes you feel better? I don't doubt that you're connecting with Jesus in some level. Because he's merciful, he just lets you continue until one day you realize you're much more than a feeling, God. You're much more than that. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. There's two people in here tonight. I'm drawing another line. And I hope that this convicts every single one of you to where you make a really hard decision tonight. There's two people here tonight. Those who are engaged with, engaged with and in relationship with Jesus and those that aren't. There are those that call him Lord and there are those that just follow Jesus or the idea of Jesus. The Bible doesn't say that if you believe in Jesus, just believe in Jesus that you'll be saved. The Bible says you believe in his name. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. Are you engaged with Jesus as your Lord? As who he really is? He's not just a figment somebody talks about he's not just an idea he's not just a principle he's not just a philosophy he's not just a feeling he's not just a presence he's not just a power are you engaged with the person Jesus the person who is Lord is he Lord of your life or are you just following the idea of Jesus I don't I don't want to get to heaven one day and be surprised by who Jesus looks, what Jesus looks like. I don't want to get to heaven one day and go, oh, that's, that's what he sounds like. I don't want to get to heaven one day and, and be surprised by the way he embraces me. I don't, I don't want to get to heaven one day and be confused by, is that him or is that, I can't really tell. I want to get to heaven one day and know exactly who he is because I know who he is right now. I want to know Jesus. 
I want to know the idea of Jesus. School starts next week, right? Come on, how many are excited about school? Now, wait a minute. When, when, does, uh, when, does, when does UAA actually start? Isn't that the 29th? I was going to say the 28th, but the 29th, okay. And the 16th is when uh, high school and junior high school start, right? 16th? Come on, how are you excited? Come on, get stoked. Get excited. School's going to be awesome. Say awesome. Say it like an Aussie. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. I, I think it's going to be an awesome year because I believe God has an awesome plan this year. Jesus came to earth. I'm closing with this. I'm closing with this. Jesus came to earth in the form of a man. In the form of a man, right? Jesus came to earth in the form of a man. And God sent him to do what? Well, God sent him to reveal who God was, right? God sent Jesus to reveal who God was. You with me? God sent Jesus to reveal who God was. That was his whole primary purpose. That was his whole role was to show who the Father is, what he looks like, what he talks like, what he acts like, what he smells like, what kind of food he eats. I mean, he just... Jesus was like, everything that I do is what the Father does. You see me, you've seen the Father. And then there's this crazy passage. Jesus says it in John 20, same, same chapter we were just in, but if just three verses earlier, Jesus says to his disciples when he rises from the dead, he looks at them, he says, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And tonight, I want to challenge us, if you go to school or if you work somewhere, if you go to school, raise your hand. I don't care if you're in junior high, if you're in high school. Okay, you go to school. Okay, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. All right, now say, do you work somewhere? Everybody keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. You keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Now, do you work somewhere? Do you work somewhere? <laughs> okay. Okay, now if there's anybody else left, do you have a family? Do you have a family? Keep your hand Okay. Okay, so hopefully... Hopefully, hopefully that should cover everybody. So you can put your hand back down. We can say it this way. So if you don't fit in any one of those three categories, we'll just say, do you go to church? Do you go to church? Okay, praise God. Praise God. God is sending you. The Holy Spirit is commissioning and sending you to your school. The Holy Spirit is sending and commissioning you to the place that you work. The Holy Spirit is sending and commissioning you to your family. The Holy Spirit is not only going to do this, but he has done it. Jesus says, as the Father sent me to tell of who he was, so I send you to tell of who I am. But the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit cannot commission people unless they know who he is he didn't walk up to people who didn't see him and say hey i'm sending you to go tell people about me see it's easy to go to people to go to school and say jesus is love and and uh you know this love thing is really cool like like love will save you and you know like if you're not feeling good in life like like Joy will just come and grip your heart. I, I think it's really important that we know the gospel we're preaching. We're preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is a man. That he is here and among us. And he demands that we would lay down our life for him. Jesus is sending you to your high school. Jesus is sending you to your middle school. Jesus is sending you to your college. And Jesus is sending you to your family and to your friends and to your workplace. He so desperately wants you to realize that a church has not sent you. I am not sending you. It's not my role to send you. It's not the pastor's role to send. It's not a prophet's role to send. It's Jesus' role to send. And you have been commissioned by God and asked of God to go to your school, to go to your family and be a representative 
to be a testimony, to be somebody who declares and who makes known Jesus Christ. But you cannot do that. You don't know who he is. It's one thing to go to school and pray to Jesus. Another thing to go with Jesus to school. It's one thing to get up in the morning, read your Bible, get on your knees. Oh, God. Betty's so hot. And I'm just dealing with temptation and lust and frick, God. You know, Lord, I don't even know if I should go to school today, man. I mean, that's what I should just fast from school. No, no, that's wrong. Okay, Lord. Lord, I just... Oh, and I hate my teacher. Seriously, like, I just hate her. Like, you know, I love her, but I hate this one. And it's, Lord, okay, God, you know, just give me grace, God. That's it. I've heard about the grace thing. Okay, grace, praise God. <laughs> Shut the door. <sighs> Wish me luck. Crap. And you're at school all day and the music's not playing. The preacher's not preaching. You don't have all the feelings because you forgot. You forgot that you're called to live a life with Jesus. Not live a life and pray to Jesus. You forgot that all day Every day, Jesus just wants you to know him, and he wants to know you. Would you stand with me? It's really simple. Jesus, Jesus the person. Jesus the person. You say that, Jesus? The person. Jesus, the man. You know, all eyes here as we're kind of getting ready, we're gonna we're gonna pursue Jesus here in a minute. Not that we're not doing that right now. But we're gonna be intentional about our individual relationship with Jesus. And I want you to realize something as we do that. This whole thing that we do called church, of being together and worshiping together and living life together, don't commit to this. Did you hear what I just said? Some of you, some of you don't, don't make your priority and first commitment to this. That's blasphemy. No. Don't, don't commit to this. Commit to Jesus. Don't commit to a mission. Commit to Jesus. Don't commit to a vision. Commit to Jesus. Don't commit to a feeling. You know, most of us in here tonight, you're committed to a feeling. In other words, every time you feel... In other words, you're always pursuing a feeling. And when you have the feeling, you're like, okay, there's God. You're not committed to Jesus. You're committed to a feeling. And your relationship with him, your relationship with him relies on a feeling. You can start playing. Thank you. Your relationship relies on a feeling. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, let's be real. Like, what what if our relationship with God is deeper than that? Like, what if... What if you prayed every day and you never felt God once? Would you give up? I've talked to people before. And I haven't felt God. I've been praying. I've spent so much time. I haven't even felt Him once. And they get discouraged. You know why? Because they're committed to a feeling. They're not committed to Jesus. Lord, I, you know, I've been at this school for four years, Lord, and nobody's gotten sick. Not doing us no more, Lord. Well, that's because you're committed to a ministry. You're not committed to Jesus. 
See, because if you're committed to Jesus, you just keep going. Why? Because he keeps going. He just doesn't stop working. He just keeps going. Are you engaged with Jesus? Or are you just engaged in some kind of thing? I don't know about you, but I really, 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 really want to be more engaged with Jesus. I want to know the man Jesus. I want to feel and touch and talk to and relate with. And if I don't feel him, and if I don't hear him, and if I don't sense a touch or a presence, I'm going to keep going. Because I know that by faith, that when I enter and when I pray and I ask and I beckon or draw near to him, that he draws near to me. Whether I feel him or sense him or hear him I know that he's there my God I do feel him my God I do hear him and I do sense him and he does touch me and he speaks to me and he fills me with life and he gives me joy and peace and he gives me love bow your heads with me. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Every head bow. Every eye close. Come on, keep your head bowed. Come on, engage with Jesus right now. Come on, right now. Don't look for a feeling. Come on, don't look for a feeling. Don't look for a voice. Don't look for a presence. Come on, look for Jesus. He's here with you right now. Right now, he's here with us. jealous for your attention he's jealous for your attention really bad he's jealous that you'd be committed to him and not some ministry see because if you're committed to him you will live in the ministry because he is the ministry in and through you but he just really wants you to be committed to him and to know him and to walk with him on every every head bow whether you're on your knees whether you're on your face Come on, well, let's just get in that place with that one, with that person, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you're here right now. Jesus, I thank you that you hear what I'm saying. Jesus, I thank you that, that you see my heart, that you're with me, and you're smiling with me, and you love me.